0: Welcome back to the commercial real estate investor podcast. My name is Tyler Cobble. I'm your host as always, and I'm joined today by Logan Freeman. And we're really excited to be bringing this, uh, this new segment to you all. You know, when I, uh, I guess we got some feedback from the audience, from the YouTube channel that they would like to see kind of what's going on in in, in the business side of what we're actually doing. And I figured, you know what, that's a great way for me to Get accountability from every single person that's in the audience, and I, and I pitched the idea to Logan. I was like, "Hey, you know, what do you what are your thoughts on this?" And he said, "I love it. I want to do it with you." And uh, so here we are. We're going to be diving into our, our brokerage businesses every single month and talking about our goals, uh, how we're going to get them, and you know, our wins and failures every single month. So, uh, Logan, really excited to be on this journey with you, man. This is going to be a fun year doing this.
1: Yeah, it really is, and. You know, since starting in 2017, 2018, there hasn't been really um, a similar year to the prior year. So it's interesting to watch and uh, be a part of um, the, the changing commercial real estate market, especially on the brokerage side. Being on the brokerage side and the principal side gives both of us a unique perspective on on these, uh, these investments and uh, the market as a whole, because... Look, I mean, we, we're seeing what things are trading for on the brokerage side. We know what we would like to purchase and at what price points. When that matches up, when when it doesn't, you know, all these reports that everybody reads, those are all you know, those are all kind of rear view mirror looking. And being uh, brokers allows us to be uh, forward looking through the windshield and understand where the market is currently, where it's headed, and I think that's extremely important. But it's also a very different business in the sense that you're not really making investment decisions you're helping clients to position their properties or find a new property uh, to purchase so it is a different skill set than it than there is on the development side and or the principal side but I think that both of us have found a uh, one we both started in this spot right I mean we started in this kind of industry and this is how we got our start but it, it also, allows us to have a different perspective and vision on the market and where it is headed. And so um, I'm excited for this because I think that a lot of people try to get in masterminds and, and different things, um, you know, business coaching. And I, I fully uh, agree with all those things. I am in masterminds. I have coaches and things like that, but um, those things are kind of in a, in an, on an Island by themselves. And when you decide to put something, like this out to the universe and you say you're going to do something and we're going to sit here and, and review things every single month. It it kind of levels up the accountability and also gives the audience a different, you know, view into both of our, our lives, how we're thinking in our businesses, because Um, We're not just playing investor here, we're playing leader, we're playing business owner. And that's very different than just uh, directing investment dollars. So excited to see kind of how this conversation goes and and how the process goes. I did something very similar back in 2021 or 22. I can't remember what year it was. It was the Compression Podcast and I had one of my coaches come on. And my goal was to do 100 million dollars in real estate transactions that year. I, you know, and, and previously my top year had been around 43, 44 million, and it ended up being at 97 million that year, and documented it weekly um, on that podcast. So uh, it was a really interesting, you know, uh, process, and and a lot of people gave really good feedback on it.
0: I love that. I'm going to go back and listen to that whole podcast as we're going through this year. That's a that's a great reminder. That's the again. That's the compression podcast. Uh, check it out on Apple. It's Logan Freeman. And, and it's a, it's a great podcast. I mean, I, I love that you were doing that. I thought it was so cool.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, to get somebody's perspective on what I was doing on a regular basis. And just like I said earlier, just staying really uh, persistent and consistent with that uh, brought a lot of accountability um, to that. And and I had folks that I had no idea were even listening say, hey, man, I see that you kind of stopped on the compression podcast. Is it going to come back? And I said, look, <laughs> I used it as a tool, you know, in a, in a period of time in my life. Um, but it, it was, you know, I think it just made people realize that, you know, um, that person talking to the microphone is real and human and and has trials and tribulations and all of those things, just like everybody else does. And so there was a, a different type of connection there because I wasn't necessarily the thought leader in that space. I was kind of getting coached, right? And Talking about the challenges, and everybody loves a good challenge and a and a story about how you're going to go about to to try to you know accomplish your goals.
0: That's right. Yeah, I mean, like you said earlier, you know, most of y'all probably know us on the investment side. You know, we're going out, raising capital, putting deals together, and both got our starts in brokerage. and And I will always have a soft spot in my heart for brokerage. There's just something thrilling and fun about putting deals together and getting them closed. And that's that's pretty much what you're gonna be in store for if you're gonna you know follow us on this journey as we do these these monthly business reviews, because uh, we're gonna be telling you you know hey how are we gonna hit these these targets how are we bringing in clients how many leads are we getting how much revenue did we close I mean we're gonna you know open up the Komodo so to say and and be really transparent which you know is is of course very uncomfortable in a lot of ways, uh, but at the same time. No one else is doing this, and I feel like when I was starting my brokerage, if I could have had a podcast like this, which at the end of the day, you're listening to essentially a two-person mastermind, right? We're yeah. sitting here. I'm going to tell Logan what's going on in my world. He's going to tell me what's going on in his, and we're going to talk through strategies and things that we can be executing on in order to hit the goals that we have for this year. So uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun. Logan, uh, do you want to kick it off first, or you want me to kick it off first? Yeah, no, I, I'm happy to. Uh, Tyler.
1: And what I thought would be helpful is just to give kind of an overview. Uh, I think our brokerages are similar, but we also have, you know, different things that we we both focus on. And so our brokerage exchange commercial real estate was started um, and it's called exchange because we were focused on 1031 exchanges, you know, and I've always been on the acquisition side, even on the brokerage arm of the business. And so our first year you know, we did close to $50 million in brokerage, 100% was buy side brokerage. And that's very different and unique in the marketplace. Because I found kind of a niche where I, I thought that, you know, if, if somebody was looking for a property in Kansas City, if we could help them put together their team that they need it, right? And so I just poured into that. Well, you know, that was 2021, 2022 comes around. And we say, man, we got a lot of opportunities to list properties. And we didn't have systems, you know, we didn't have processes, we didn't have any SOPs in regards to listings. And we ended up doing, you know, um, 50-50, you know, the last two years, 50% on the buyer side and 50% on the listing side. And I foresee that to continue on um, in that nature because <clears throat> during those periods of times, you know, 1031 exchanges kind of dried up in, in a lot of ways, especially last year, because you know, what we were seeing is people weren't selling their properties because where, you know, the dislocation was in the marketplace. And so, but what we do now is typically we'll help a first time buyer that has a 1031 exchange, uh, find a property that's either listed or unlisted on our off market database. And we have built a platform with about 25 to $26 million of off market deals. And we have a sales process that we take these buyers through um, to, to say, look, you know, we're going to do a mock transaction before you get under contract for for your first deal so when that stress level comes when the inspection report comes back or the insurance comes in higher or you know the you know whatever happens the the lender you know backs out that we have plan b plan c and we can go execute on that and that strategy has been very uh successful to help people deal with the stress and i know people say commercial real estate is less stressful and less emotional than residential but in a lot of ways let me tell you uh, there are a lot of emotions that and, and and what i'll call egos that get in the way of these transactions and so you know this year is a big dip, is a big growth year for us um, on the brokerage side not just from the volume standpoint but i don't have that many brokers um, the last couple of years i've had one and a half brokers and myself and one, you know, brokerage coordinator. Um, we have added uh, a few different individuals, um, and so we'll have probably by the end of the month we'll have eight full time brokers at the at the business, and each one specifically working on uh, a different niche. And one thing, Tyler, I want to hear from you uh, sometime on the podcast is how you go about. Uh, carving up the world in regards to geographic location, size of transactions, all of those different things, because I'm sure you can give me some insight in how to set my brokerage up in the right way. But right now we we do multifamily listings, typically one to three and a half to $4 million. And we do buy side anywhere from 500K to $2 million. Uh, we are getting into, we brought on a, a gentleman who's, who specializes in Uh, healthcare real estate. So he focuses mostly with dentists and orthodontists on uh, finding their new uh, building and or renegotiating leases. We have a newcomer coming in that's going to be working with buyers. We have a part-time guy that's got a support guy that helps on the listings side. And we have a really experienced broker uh, coming in 10 years of experience to focus on larger transactions, as well as um, someone who is focusing on sale leasebacks with uh, owners that can be potentially investors, but also looking at their real estate, maybe it's an industrial building, maybe it's an office building and say, is your real estate holding you back or is it propelling you forward? And what I've found is we have plenty of big brokerages in in Kansas City, people that do the, you know, 200 plus multifamily units uh, properties. And that's not really what we're trying to focus on. We really like the niches and we like to focus on trying to be different and having some unique value proposition that serves a need out there in the marketplace. Our goals for this year are to complete about fifty-five million dollars in transactions. Um, so that would be a great year for us. I think that we're going to be able to do that. It's been difficult the last couple of years to forecast, you know, pipeline and, and different things because uh, let's let's face it. I mean, we're we don't have control over a lot of of the variables in these real estate transactions. Um, but our our mission statement is very important, and we we typically. Go off of um, Gino Wickman's book Traction and the uh, EOS system, so entrepreneurial operating system. Our vision and mission statement is to be the best in class tech-enabled investment real estate advisory platform that streamlines the client's process of buying, selling, and managing investment real estate using tax advantage strategies. And so that's kind of our mission statement for our for our brokerage. That's evolved a little bit. The tech piece is one that I'm highly interested in understanding how other groups like uh, Rod Tomasimo and Ryan Serhant, I know Ryan is on the residential side, but I'm seeing large brokerage companies really start to utilize artificial intelligence in their brokerage uh, operations. And I think that's going to revolutionize um, and change the way that real estate is done. Um, but what I'm seeing too is this very early stages, mostly just kind of ta- tasks that can be Automated or something like that through AI. I haven't seen any system, and maybe you've you've seen this, but I haven't seen many systems that really um, revolutionize the way that the real estate is done. But I was having a conversation with Barry Wolf, who's been in the business as a as a single tenant that lease broker for twenty five plus years, and uh, his team does on, on a good year three hundred and fifty million, I think, in in transactions on a down year one hundred fifty to two hundred and fifty million. So they're really pumping out transactions. And he said in five years the way the brokerage is done is going to look completely different and he didn't give me a whole lot of other insight into, into what that is going to be but um it's definitely something that i want to focus on uh i'll just go through our core values real quickly because i think that's important we're value added you know we're trying to be value added to our to our clients we're results oriented so definitely not looking to be the group that lists the the price you know for the highest price in the market That's not really um, what we do, honesty and transparency throughout the communication with our clients. Uh, putting the client first, winning. You know, I'm obsessed with winning, and uh, I love winning. It's a part of the brokerage um, mantra: is is how do we win this? Uh, being pragmatic, you know, dealing with things sensibly and realistically, being a rational optimist, um, and then being innovative. Trying to listen to what our clients are saying, and then formulate systems and processes that uh, maybe other brokerages aren't necessarily doing. So we are a team of about six right now, uh, potentially gonna be eight here very soon. Um, most of those are producers. We have one support person um, that really does a lot of different things, transaction management, uh, brokerage coordination, a lot of the marketing side, and then I lead the organization. So not a huge organization, but uh, one that is highly focused on, on on you know producing results. So I'm excited for the changes that are coming this year and uh, the additional people that we're, we're looking to add to the to the brokerage.
0: That's great, man. I love it. I've got a, a couple of things that I want to dive into uh, based on what you were saying there. You know, at, at one point you said you were focused more on the buy side than sales. Then you kind of moved into 50-50. Which side do you prefer? Do you like being on the buy side of the transaction more than the sales or is it kind of vice versa? We, we like to be on the buy side, Tyler, because, um, you know, but The listings
1: a lot of times do drive buyers, right? So you get a listing, you put it out there for marketing and uh, your pipeline starts to get filled up with buyers. May not be the right buyer for that deal, but if you database them correctly and build a relationship, they may come around on a future deal. Um, So with somebody with the 1031 exchange, we just have done enough of those transactions now and understand where the pain points are to really add enough value where they're not looking anywhere else. On the listing side, you know, you don't really control too much, right? I mean, you control the the transaction, you've got the listing, but in regards to the time and, and different components of that, you're really, um, you know, you're really kind of up against what the market is and what people are willing to pay. So um, anyways, we would rather be on the buy side, but we've had enough uh, previous clients, prior clients, as well as opportunities to start listing properties that, you know, it just made sense for us to start putting that out there. And for newer brokers, it's a great way for them to get something under their feet and start to understand
0: how the transaction goes. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a lot tougher to get listings than it is to get buyer representation. Um, and, you know, the the I'll never forget a residential agent told me probably 10 years ago when I was first getting into commercial, he was like, oh, man, you got to go for the listings because, you know, those will sell while you're sitting on the beach uh, sipping a Corona. You don't have to do anything. And so at first I was like, oh, okay, yeah, listings is the way to go, but residential is very different from commercial. You don't get to just sip I mean, you know, residential agents have like these answering services that book appointments for them. Residential agents go and show the house. They don't want the listing agent there. The listing agent's basically not involved at all after it's listed with them. It's it's very different on the commercial real estate side where you still have to very actively be working on selling that deal. You know, That's it's right. it's not like there's an MLS that you can just put out there. Uh, Niches. You you were asking me how to, how to kind of carve things up for brokers, man. I, I don't know that, that I've got a, a good answer to that because it, it's tough, right? I mean, when we were first getting started and I had two brokers, it was like, ah, everybody kind of do whatever you want because mm-hmm. it's not, you're not, it's going to be very tough for you to step on each other's toes. And then it wasn't until a few months ago when we really had to say, okay, what is everybody focused on? Because, uh, This could very quickly become a nightmare if we've got, you know, three reps from the combo group calling the same seller. Exactly. The same property, the same buyer. And so I kind of sat down with everybody and, uh, you know, one-on-one and looked at the majority of the deals that they were closing. And fortunately, every single broker had something that they ended up being a little more focused on. Um, So one of them was more focused on industrial and triple net investment sales, right? So that was easy. It was like, okay, you take those. Uh, one of them was more focused on retail and uh, hospitality sales because he was just stopping and knocking on doors. So it's was like, okay, you take those. One of them specifically just wanted East Nashville. He wanted to take the corridors there. So I said, okay, we'll carve that out. This is your territory. You can sell anything within here. Really what it came down to is we didn't break up the territories in any other way. Like It's not like as an agent, you know, my industrial guy couldn't do a deal in East Nashville. We, we broke it out based on prospecting. So the other agents are not allowed to prospect within whatever your specific niche is that we've qualified for you. Okay. Uh, and, and I'll give you an example of why. So you know, we've got a buyer that we represented that sent us their friend who was doing a deal in somebody else's niche, but they wanted their agent to represent them. Well, that's a great case for saying, okay, he didn't prospect for that lead. It was given to him he should be able to work on that deal no matter where it is. So that's kind of how we broke it up. Works out very well for our team, but every team's different. You know, um, so that's kind of where we are. I want to know how you're leveraging tech. And I, I know we got to get to to my my introduction of my brokerage team and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of stuff in, in in what you were saying that I thought was really interesting. So what are you doing on the tech side so far? Right now, so we use a couple different, you know,
1: platforms. Obviously, we're I, and I know your views and, and opinions about CoStar, but we, we have to use <laughs> CoStar, you know. <laughs> so we're using, you know, CoStar just from a data standpoint, right? I think that's in, in, an important piece to our to our brokerage. Uh, we actually still will utilize the MLS in a lot of different com- components and capacities because we're, we're typically selling a lot of times properties that are under a million dollars, right? So uh, if we have a four-plex, or in sixplex or an eightplex, you know, we'll, we'll put it on the MLS. However, you know, we, we know that we're typically going to get residential agents, but when you put a property on the MLS, it it goes out to thousands and thousands of agents. And those agents have set up criteria for their clientele that when a new deal pops up, it's automatically sent to them. And so, um, believe it or not, we've sold a lot of deals that way. Um, uh, you know, that are a million dollars or less off of the, the MLS. So we're utilizing that. We have a program called Buildout. Buildout is kind of where we house our off-market databases. So if you go to our website and you sign up for the marketplace, that is powered by Buildout, which then allows people to get to the data room and also has all of our marketing material capacity um, in that. Transaction file management, we're using BrokerMint. Uh, at the moment and Broker Mint helps us with the e-signing and the compliance side of the, the brokerage. Uh, we use constant contact on our uh, mailing list currently. Um, and then we're utilizing LinkedIn really well uh, on the brokerage. We're not only utilizing it to get exposure, but we're utilizing it to get listings. And when a listing is coming up for uh, either renewal or you know whatnot, because we have some different programs, we will do a 21 day listing program that I can talk about it uh, very strategically. But when I post something on LinkedIn, if I write a good enough content, if I engage, if I've done a, a, you know, a good job, it's typically getting five to 25,000 impressions. And so one unique value proposition for us is, you know, I have 25,000 followers on LinkedIn. Alex has 10,000. Uh, our companies have a couple thousand. So when that's posted, we pull all those analytics back and say, look, Yes, it went out to our buyer list. Yes, it went on the MLS. Yes, it went on LoopNet, but it's also being pushed on on LoopNet. We're utilizing YouTube, so we do multi-family meetup minutes every single every single week, where um, one of our agents is basically going on and, and reviewing, kind of giving a broker opinion of value of every new deal that's hit the marketplace, and does a video on that every single week and post that to YouTube. And on LinkedIn, uh, 3D drone, um, you know, tours, right? So make them feel like they can tour the property without having to be there. That's extremely important in today's day and age. Um, and then we utilize, you know, still Google Drive. Believe it or not, I, I saw Bo Beery post something today that I thought was really interesting. He said, "Man, the the look that I give buyers when they ask a question that's already on the the marketing materials is uh, very difficult for me to get over." And so we have what we call the quick facts document. It's the most frequently asked questions that we typically get. We put that right in front of people on a one pager, right? I think that's um, that's really important. I'm in the process right now of finding the right CRM solution. So when I only had one broker, you know, we didn't have a CRM and we used Excel. And now we're up to six folks and about to be eight. And so. Uh, we've been evaluating the right uh, crm systems and what i'm trying to find in the crm system is you know a data source that allows for uh, continual scrubbing of the property database once it's actually created uh, to allow it to be updated with you know county record and um, you know assessment data uh, loan data all of that that's been hard to find um, but i think artificial intelligence will help us in that capacity at some point also, after you have your database, you want to be really careful on the database that you know something doesn't go override what somebody else has already inputted, right? Um, we use Fiverr a lot uh, for skip tracing, believe it or not. So I'll pull a zip code where I may not have the most up-to-date phone numbers, emails, and I will go on and have somebody skip trace that and provide me three phone numbers, uh, three emails, and then it's up to the broker to go in there and figure out which one is correct and then update Uh, their, their property record and their, and their CRM. So those are kind of the tech pieces that we're utilizing uh, right now. Is there anything that, that you guys are using
0: that, that we should be that we're not? Man, I mean, I'll, I'll say on the CRM side, it's, we found it impossible to find one that was like real estate specific. Uh, They could pull in all of that data. And we just said, you know what, it's, it's just something that we're going to have to start keeping ourselves. So we can kind of work with that, whatever, you know, uh, it'd be great to have that tool, but it, it, we really started looking into it, and it would have to be um, it'd have to be coded. I mean, there's no way around it. You'd have to get a software engineer involved, and, man, are you going to be spending a lot of money doing that. Absolutely. So we use HubSpot, and, and I'm happy to walk you through sometime on one of these, um, kind of how our HubSpot's set up. I'm actually part of my presentation today for January. I'm going to be showing some of the reporting um, from HubSpot because I can keep track of all the deals closed and the money there. So I'll show you all what that chart looks like. Um, it's phenomenal. It it connects to Gmail, which is, you know, where our platform for our email. So whenever, you know, somebody sends an email to the office or whatever, we can automatically tag them into HubSpot as a, as a, you know, contact. Uh, It logs all of those emails to whatever deal you've associated with them. Every single attachment we've ever sent them stays under their deal file in HubSpot. And uh, it just, the tracking, reporting, everything that we get out of it is good enough. It's not, it's not 100%, it's, it's probably not even 90%, but it's as good as we've ever seen a CRM for commercial real estate. Every CRM is, is not gonna be perfect. And uh, the big thing about CRMs, and I, I have to hammer this with my brokers all the time, and I'm sure they're gonna get sick of me <laughs> talking about it at some point, Every single team meeting we have, I'm like, guys, make sure HubSpot's updated. Make sure you're logging all your deals. You're keeping all your notes in there, because CRMs are only as good as you feed them, and right. they can be phenomenal. I mean, the yeah. the the level of detail that you can go into, and and the capability you can have, uh, is pretty next level. But you've got to feed it for that, right? So that's I, I completely agree, man. I mean, one that I think is real estate specific
1: that a lot of people I've started to see using is Real Next. Uh, CRM. Uh, and, and look, I mean, I think that you hit the nail on the head. You have to use it. You have to make sure the brokers are using it and it's being continually updated. Um, for for me, having a really strong property database is extremely important. So um, talk to me about HubSpot really quickly on, yeah, it's great. Probably I've, I know that HubSpot was originally started for marketing automation, which works really good with buyers, right? But Are you able to find a a solution inside of HubSpot to say, all right, I need to pull, you know, multifamily properties, 10 to 50 units in this zip code and have a database that can populate that and then put it on a map so you can pull all the information? Like, is that how you're using
0: it as well? No, it's not. Um, We can't do that in it. Nashville, like Davidson County, fortunately has really good tax records. So it's very easy for us to go in and do all that through the existing platform that's offered by Nashville. Um, Once you start getting outside of that, the platform that we'll use is called CRS data. And uh, that's pretty great because I can go in there. They pull tax records from all sorts of different counties. um, And actually, let me see. I might be able to just share my screen real quick. um, If I, if I can remember my login to CRS data uh, and show you how that works. Have you ever heard of that before? No, I'm, I've got it
1: pulled up now though, taking a look at it so I don't forget.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's phenomenal, man. Um, let me see. If I can actually get this logged in. Um, okay. Yep. I got it. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. That was not the right one. Let me add you back to the right. Yeah. Okay. So here's CRS data and I can go in, you know, you Kind of pick it by the county, something like that. Let's just say Davidson County. Go to the advanced search. So I can come in here. And again, it's not perfect, but it's as close to perfect as I've found. You can search by location. Uh, You can search by property value. And I don't think that their platform is all that expensive. Okay. Uh, But let's say I want to find property characteristics. Property type is commercial. Uh, Let's say there's also like zoning and things like that that you can get into if you really wanted to um but you can say you know vacant land or not vacant land let's say I want buildings with you know minimum of one to five acres uh total building square feet is ten thousand and I mean I could yeah let's we'll leave it at that for now so when I submit that, I mean, it's going to pull up a list of every single property in Nashville that checks those boxes and I can zoom out, uh, view a larger map. Okay. So it's only going to pull up the first 500 properties cause there's so many properties that do that. But now I've got a list of every single property that checks those boxes. Um, and then when you we click on ADD the, here. yeah, so once you click on the the property, you actually get this whole property summary, right? So here's the address. Uh, it's an office building, high rise, sixty-three thousand square feet. Here's the the name of the owners. Here's their mailing address. Uh, it even connects you right to the white pages listing, mm. which is pretty great. I could see the sales history of it. So it sold in nineteen eighty seven for two point seven million. Looks like it sold in ninety six for two fifty and hasn't sold since. I bet that is worth an immense amount of money. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can see, because this is downtown, if you're listening on the podcast and can't see it, this is an office building downtown. I can see the tax records, you know, how much they were having to pay in taxes over the years. I can see the mortgage history. Uh, I mean, yeah, they've got a loan in 2019 for $22 million. That's a pretty good, good size, you know, valued property. Um, but, I mean, you can go into all of this, you know. It's got the watt-square footage, how many acres, what it's what it's zoned. Um, so this is pretty great. This this gets us 90, 90% of what we need. So you'll get
1: the property level information from that, and then it's up to you and the team to go find out the contact information for those property owners if you're trying to call on them.
0: That's exactly right. And you can it connects directly to White Pages. So whatever mailing address is in there, it'll probably in name associated with it. It'll pull it out. Um, you could also use Seamless AI. We've tried that before. It also integrates directly into Google Chrome. And You know, it's kind of similar to Zoom Info. We were talking about this on my broker's uh, live stream yesterday, I guess, Um, where, you know, it gives you probabilities of this number being their phone number. So that's always pretty nice. Um, But yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of how we'll do it. So we'll go into HubSpot. We'll create like a buying opportunity, right? It's, you know, Joe Smith. And then under his name, we start rattling off all of these potential properties that are fits and then start keeping notes on, you know, which ones have we called, which ones have we made contact with. You know what are the potentials out of that, etc.
1: Yeah, I mean that's awesome. I've already taken two notes down from different tech platforms that we are not currently using that uh, could be very helpful. Uh, I appreciate that, brother. That's uh, that's great. So you know, I think that what I'd love to hear from from you, unless you've got any more questions about what we're doing, man. I'd, I'd love to no. spend some time Hearing it, I think that's you it. know what, what the brokerage is focused on, where the what the goals are. Um, you know, what the growth trajectory is. And then let's talk about some nuts and bolts on, on how we're going to get there this year.
0: Yeah, let's do it. So I'll give you all a quick overview on the Cobble Group. So I founded this brokerage in 2018. Uh, I had started off as the in-house leasing agent for a boutique development firm. So working on their office retail and industrial portfolio and had a lot of leasing experience before I moved into investment sales. So we've always done leasing as well as sales. Yeah, great and- transition into leasing up or sales opportunities anyways, right? I mean, that's all awesome. That's right. Yeah, it will end as a as an investor now. It makes the whole process yeah. so much easier because we know exactly what's going on in the market. So, you know, for I, I bought a building, it was a smaller 2000 square foot building back in 2020, but we signed a lease before we closed on it, bought it for 435, appraised for 650 because of the lease, and I bought it because I knew that there were tenants looking for that property. So, yeah. it, it just makes your life so much easier, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can't remember the, the amount of volume that we've done over the years. I know my first year going off on my own, we did about $15 million in volume. It steadily increased from there up until, you know, I, I've pretty much always been the only, only broker. I've had some junior brokers, but I was having to, it, I was ending up having to do everything, uh, Sure. which we can also talk about there.
1: Yeah. Delegation, wow. a whole episode on
0: that would be awesome. That's right. That's exactly right. Up until 2022, um, which was my last year solo, and I personally did about 35 million dollars in sales, and we had uh, a couple of other brokers get probably close to five or ten million combined. Um, so last year, I stepped out of the brokerage completely, and there were there were a combination of factors. One, I wasn't selling anymore because I was focusing more on the business development and the investment side, sure. uh, and the average commercial real estate broker brokerage across the United States was down 70%. Yep. So we didn't hit that low. We ended up hitting about 15 million last year. So almost half of uh, what I had done by myself the year previously, but the best thing is we have laid such a great foundation. I've got a phenomenal team and I'm really excited about what they're going to be doing. Um, so we've got some, some really big goals. Um, this year we're aiming for $80 million in sales, which Ooh. is basically a 500% increase uh, year over year, uh, which sounds crazy, but uh, with, with this team that we've got and with my moving more into business development, focusing on the podcast, YouTube channels, speaking engagements and networking, I think that we've got a very clear path uh, to finding our way there. Um, We we do a variety of transactions. So office, industrial, retail, multifamily, development, hospitality. We literally do everything. We're a boutique commercial real estate brokerage, Um, which has its pros and cons, right? Sure. I mean, if if we wanted to just absolutely crush it in triple net sales, then that's all that we would be focusing on. To me, that's not entertaining. It's not fun. And it also really pigeonholes you if the market takes a turn, right? You know who's really hurting right now? multifamily guys. They yeah. cannot get transactions done to save their lives. It's, it's just a really tough market. And if we had only focused on one asset class, uh, you know, I might be working construction on the weekends for my grandfather. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. uh, I would prefer yeah. never to do that again. Um, so it's good. You know, it, the brokerage is, is interesting, the way that it's evolved over the years. So back in 2018, 2019 and 2020, it was almost exclusively Nashville. And 2020 is when I started the YouTube channel and the podcast, and that, that was really interesting. It, at first, I didn't really have any expectations for it. I just wanted to go out and teach people how to, do, how to invest in commercial real estate because it changed my life. And when I was first getting started, there was nothing out there like that. Mm-hmm. But it ended up opening us up to a nationwide and actually international audience uh, of investors. And so now about half of the sales that we do are outside of Tennessee. Uh, which is kind of, kind of crazy to think about. Really cool. So how does that work, Tyler? So break that down, right? Because one, I I don't
1: know from a commercial real estate standpoint, how big Nashville is. I know it's bigger than Kansas city, right? I can give you the stats on Kansas city, but um, you know, typically a couple things, typically, you know, brokerages will focus on a certain asset class, a certain geographic location. Uh, We don't do that either because, I didn't find that exciting. And I didn't think that was interesting enough for uh, for for me to try to build a business around. So we have that similarity. But we do transactions in Missouri and Kansas because, frankly, we, we're right here on the state line. So you have to be able to cross over. But outside of that, yes, we have purchased for acquisitions and investments outside of Missouri and Kansas. But I'm really curious to hear, one, how that came about, but also, I mean, I know how it came about, right? It's blowing up the social media and adding a ton of value, but how do you go about doing a transaction outside of your geographic, you know, footprint?
0: Yeah. So, so it's very specifically triple net and single tenant Nellie deals okay. is kind of what we, we, we do nationwide. Um, that doesn't preclude regular investments or, you know, potential developments, things like that. It's just, that's typically not what we're working on. I had a couple of YouTube videos on triple net investing that just kind of took off. And so we get calls from investors around the country looking for those all the time. Mm. And the great thing about that asset class is that, you know, we can do that from our office. It doesn't matter where in the world we are conducting that sale because, you know, a lot of it comes down to like we're just, we can handle the due diligence from the Nashville office. We don't have to be on site. Uh, It's a lot of, of lease review credit review uh sending an inspector out to the site and you know if you really think about it unless you're doing like a heavy value add or ground up development almost any investment you can do completely remotely you just gotta (laughs) you just gotta get comfortable with that and and we've got a good process in place to do it so it's it's not like we're working on you know ground up multifamily transactions in you know louisiana uh it's it's mostly existing assets that we're buying on behalf of clients who are either in a 1031 exchange kind of like you said or more often than not, it's people that are just wanting to get started in commercial real estate. They're high earning professionals, uh, and they don't want something that's going to take up too much time. And so, single tenant, at least triple net lease deals are the absolute perfect investment for them.
1: Absolutely, completely agree. And and you're you're evaluating tenant credit quality, location in the building at that point. So um, there's not a whole lot more to that. Uh, when you go out to well, first off, what's the craziest state that you've ever done a transaction in? But um, you know, are you licensed in all of those states, and how do you think about you know that, or or how does that process work? Because I know that based on which state you're in, it can be a uh, state that allows you to do real estate that doesn't, that you have to partner up with somebody else. Uh, right. How have you got about that? That's uh, that's a unique growth uh, opportunity for for us as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So craziest state so far has been uh wisconsin well that's not that crazy that's just the the, the furthest away you know we, we've gone for a transaction um you know we're talking about some deals up in alaska which could be really interesting uh, just yeah, because okay. i mean man that's like that's the frontier man it still is and it's really cool just even thinking and looking into uh deals in that area um so that's exciting but as as far as is you know transacting in other states no I only have my Tennessee license and I'm, I'm working on getting my Kentucky license because it's reciprocal but um, what we'll usually do is we'll just find another boutique brokerage firm in those markets and pay them 500 bucks to run it through yeah. their their brokerage firm and it's a, it's a done-and-easy it deal you know they're, yeah. they're more than happy to take the 500 bucks doesn't cost them anything to really do the transaction and, you know, we get to stay compliant with with all the regulations. I love
1: that. Yeah, we've we've been very close on that with some groups here locally that have their licenses in all, you know, 50 states. And so it's like, hey, if we bring a buyer, we do this deal. Is, are you guys willing to work with us on on this? And they, they've been, you know, uh, open to doing that. So, um, OK, I thought that would be the, the process. Now, there was a few things that you said that I wanted to kind of key in on. Um, And and it was this shift in 2018 when you first started and then going to 2022 where you stepped away. So you went from producer to leader. And I have done the same and it's a very difficult transition because sometimes the best players are not the best coaches. But if you want to grow a business, you have to coach yourself up on how to lead people effectively. So how did that process work for you? And I know it's a work in progress uh, for both of us, but it was a really difficult transition for me becoming, uh, going from just a producer to
0: actually leading people effectively and
1: stepping out of just making transactions
0: happen. Yeah. It's, it's not easy, man. I mean, I, I was always the lone wolf, right? I've been in sales since I was 18 and I was always on my own and, you know, never had that, you know, corporate management experience. And, um, it's, it's very different. So what I'll say is I was not good at it for many years. I hired a lot of the wrong employees, had mm-hmm. hired the worst brokers I possibly could have had on my team. Uh, thinking that, you know, oh, maybe I can, I can cut, you know, some corners here. And, you know, just because that's what somebody who's been in it for 20 years is telling me to do, it doesn't mean that they're always right. You know, I, I at first I was hiring junior brokers that had zero experience cuz I thought sure. I want to bring somebody in that I can mold that doesn't have any, you know, bad experience in commercial real estate and you know, grow them from there. And it works okay, not for your first hire though. That's you've got to have like two or three other established guys on your team that could also help mentor that person and create that team environment. Cuz what I found was they had it too good because I would immediately just start handing them all of my leasing so I had one kid who was like 21 years old he made 40 something thousand dollars his first year working as a a junior broker with me which for that's a lot of money right like as a first year junior broker he didn't have to source a single one of his deals I gave him everything and um, I think that he took it for granted how good I gave it to him because most brokerages do not give you 100% of your leads to where you can make that much money that's right. And you know, as soon as uh, he got his feet up under him, he went and left to a bigger for a bigger firm. Yep. And I think that he just thought that, oh, everybody's going to be like this. I might, like, I might as well go to a bigger group and see what they'll give me. And and that's not the case. And I had that happen two times um, before I learned, like, okay, it wasn't just the first guy. It was the, like this. This model doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've gone through a handful of employees. Uh, you know, not not proud of it right? I mean, it's, it's not like I really left on bad terms with anybody. It just kind of eventually got to a point where the company was growing so fast, that we left some employees behind. They couldn't grow fast enough with the company in the direction that we were headed. And we were basically like a startup moving at a million miles an hour. And they were a great hire at that one point in time. Mm -hmm. But 12 months later, it wasn't a fit anymore. And so that was that was really tough for me to realize is that you really have to hire ahead of your need. And pay a little bit more than you think you're going to pay uh, in order to get that right person. But I, I've worked on this a lot, so I also have an executive coach, very expensive every month, but absolutely worth it because I need that help. Someone who's been there, done that. He's he's founded and exited multiple companies. Uh, I'm in the Entrepreneurs Organization, so I have a a monthly forum meeting with my forum, and you know we dive into more you know best practices there. And then I'm also in a mastermind called Go Abundance. Uh, which is uh, there's a lot of other real estate guys in that. So again, I'm learning, trying to learn as much as I can from other people who have been there, done that, uh, as I possibly can, so I don't have to make any of those mistakes anymore. Yeah, I mean that you you, you hit
1: the nail on the head with um, how it's been for me uh, as well. Um, I think that the hiring part is is really difficult, and I have hired very slow on the brokerage side because it's a marriage, man. I mean, you're pouring into these people that have to then go eat what they kill. And, you know, and it's a lot of time. You and I are both, you just rattled off three things that take up a lot of time just on growing yourself every single month. On top of running multiple businesses and everything else that you have to do uh, on a regular basis, keeping your mental and physical health going, right? So, um, and for me, you know, having you know, my wife and three little ones running around as well. Um, and so it's, you know, well, two of them are running. One's just lame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's extremely important because I have found that on the brokerage side, if you find the right culture fit and I use strength finders, I use, uh, principles, you, uh, by Ray Dahlia, that's a free one. And then I make sure that we figure out what your, um, what each person's Niche is going to be, and then we use a detailed market uh, focus sheet that lays out. Okay, I know on the multifamily side, you need to get to two thousand properties, and there needs to be a churn rate of ten percent uh, or five percent. Sorry, you know, 100 100 properties basically need to transact every single month, or sorry, every single year in that two thousand properties right So uh, if that's the case then I think that you'll be able to go build a successful business and I'm not looking to bring on any brokers that I don't feel like I can get to ten million dollars in uh, you know gross volume um, in the first 12 months, right um, and or set them up to be on that trajectory. Um, so that means that I'm gonna have to spend a lot of time with that individual understanding um, how to get them set up and then also the sales training and um, you know understanding their, total addressable market, their ideal customer profile. What's the messages that I hit with them? How often do I do that? How do I do that? How do I use CRS data, seamless.ai, real next, all of these different software systems, uh, to then be like, okay, I've got the foundational knowledge. Then you have to keep that person working and motivated. And commercial real estate brokerage is not something that you step into and you start transacting just like that, unless you're bringing a book of business. And so if you're starting from scratch, there's a ton of work that has to be done from a prospecting standpoint to be able to get someone there so um, i'm thinking there's probably a, a future episode specifically on leadership and hiring and things like that but i have typically taken anywhere between six to eight weeks with uh, with an individual that i'm looking to bring on uh to the brokerage and they're like why can't i just transfer my license over i'm like no 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 we're gonna spend six to eight weeks getting to know each other and and going through all of those processes and then i use ChatGPT to get all of the results from principles to you from my team. And then I run the mock scenarios through chat GPT. It loads up every single strength that they have. Um, and then I say, okay, now we've got a situation. How is everyone going to respond? Okay, you know, Chad's got a new deal. How is he going to respond with Katie and with myself? What challenges might come up based on the strengths that I know that they have uh, and or their weaknesses? And so I'm really focused on, on the culture side and the leadership side of trying to make sure that people are interacting the right way so they keep that motivation inspiration to continue on because if somebody doesn't feel like they're being poured into and or have a fit then they're not going to do the work that needs to be successful and so I think that's really important component to, to think about and um, one that you've you and I have both found to be very difficult and, and have learned the hard way on that front
0: yeah, that's really interesting, man. I, I love how you're taking their their personality profiles and running it through those systems. It, it makes a lot of sense. And you know the, the one thing I'll say though is that I've had employees that have checked every single box on these personality tests and turned out to be total flops. Absolutely. And I've had some people that you know they're close enough, but you know enough to where most people would say, ah, not a fit for our team, brought them on and they were phenomenal. And so, you know, t- take them with a grain of salt. I think they're, they're 80% there. Um, yeah. it, it, there's so many things that, you know, can, can kind of go into that. Okay, last 10 minutes of the podcast. I want to go into numbers from last yes. month. On future episodes, we'll probably do this at the very beginning of the episode because then we'll actually have stuff to talk about, you know, why the you know XYZ happened. But we, we wanted to make sure that you had a, a, a good overview of who we are and what our brokerage teams look like. Um, so that you know kind of what we're working with Because if it was a solo team versus a, an 8 person team Very very different numbers um, Logan I'll go into the numbers first if you want me to And yeah, we'll kind of talk about it So like I said We're aiming for $80 million In volume this year Which is a, a decent amount And I've broken it out almost on a bell curve Essentially by quarters uh, Just based on on previous uh, Volume typically You know Q1, 2 and 3 uh, are pretty decent, and the Q4 sometimes slides off. But last year it was actually the opposite. Q1 was very low, two, three, and four was actually one of our highest. Um, so it's it's always tough in brokers. You never know because some of these deals take 180 days, 365 days plus to to actually come to fruition. So you really don't know when they're going to time out. But in January we closed 1.35 million dollars. That is very low compared to the 22 million dollars that we have to do this quarter. Um, we could definitely pick that apart. It was two leases and a sale. Uh, I will say though, last year in January, we closed zero. So we're $1,350,000 ahead of that, um, which I'm all about. And actually I'm going to pull up this chart real quick, um, so that everybody can see kind of what we're, we're looking at. So this is from HubSpot reporting. You can see, you know, where, uh, this orange line is where we are. And this gray line is where we were last year. So, um, kind of help visualize this a little bit. Um, inbound leads, we had 47 phone calls to the office. Uh, there were leads and 11 through the website. I don't really track any that come through Instagram, although I probably should because we do get a decent amount of leads from people just DMing me there. Um, we have 33 active deals in the pipeline and a pipeline value of 56.6 million. So you know while that 1.35 seems really low, We've got some pretty substantial deals in the works today. Um, So I'm not worried about hitting our goal for the year. Uh, Maybe I'm worried about it for this quarter. Uh, But overall, based on what the brokers are working on every day, uh, what they're wanting to accomplish individually, because that was a big thing that we did this year that I haven't done it in years previous. I sat down with every broker and worked with them for a month leading up uh, to the end of last year on what their 13 Individual goals would be for this year, and they're anything from, you know, get ten new listings to read six books on business, right? And yep. and we ended up taking the the we weighted everything, right? So closing ten million dollars in deals is going to weigh heavier on the scoring than uh, reading books would be, and I'll share uh, this with you as well, Logan, because I think you'll I think you'll actually like this. I decided to to create some bounties and incentives for the brokers this year Ooh, I like this. so we created goals so five thousand dollars per broker for the team bonus the team must hit 70 percent of its goals for the year before the brokers are eligible so if we hit 69 percent of our goals based on that weighted average no bonus um, for the team anything above that you know they'll get paid so um We also came up with $5,000 per broker for their individual goals. Again, they have to hit at least 70% of their goals before they're eligible for that bonus. Bounties, I put a bounty out there, $5,000 bonus for the most new listings for the year, a $5,000 bonus for the most Google reviews, uh, five stars, obviously, Um, a $2,500 bonus for most sales volume for the year, $2,500 for most sales closed for the year, a number of sales. Uh, I own a property out in Chattanooga that has 1.2 million square feet vacant. So I put a $5,000 bounty on whoever leases the most square feet there. Yeah. Um, and then overall deals and most volume per quarter $2,500 and $1,500 uh, each. So just something that's a little bit fun. You know, brokers love making money, they love an excuse to make more money somehow. And they're basically getting paid for doing their jobs well. Um, so that was a little fun thing we decided to add. All
1: right. One question on that. So you said you've got 33 deals in the pipeline, which equate to somewhere around $50 million of transactions. What constitutes right. a deal in the pipeline? Is it a listing agreement? Is it almost a listing agreement? Is it a
0: buyer? Tell me, tell me what that looks like. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit nebulous, um, but it's anything that we're actively working on. Okay. Right. So it can't just be like a, Hey, I talked to this property owner and he said he wants $10 million for his property. That is not a lead. We don't count that. You can put that in your, you know, your pocket for a listing. Either we're actively working on negotiating an LOI or we're actively working on negotiating a listing agreement. Like there has to be something actively moving forward on that deal. So, uh, you know, a few of the deals that are in that, like a, a hotel to apartment conversion. We've been working on that for six months. It's not officially a listing, uh, and we're not officially representing the buyer but we brought both parties together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got a 280-unit, um, you know, assisted living facility that we're working on right now. Um, again, another off-market deal because they don't want any of the publicity of that going out. So they're, they're deals that we're actively working on, but it's not like there's necessarily anything signed or they're under contract. Some of it is under contract, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be good, you know, and I'm sure you're already doing this, but um, you know, probability of pipeline to close uh, ratios over the years. Um, that way, yeah. you know, you know, look, hey, we need 150 million dollars in the pipeline for us to get to 88 million dollars or 80 million dollars, right? So um, that is definitely something that I want to get to, and I'm hoping through working together on this and getting feedback with from other individuals that we can really start to uh put some KPIs around uh forecasting abilities because I know that uh that's extremely important very difficult to do in the commercial real estate um industry we're not selling widgets that you know you put this much marketing behind it and we sell this much yeah. you know like you said a deal can take 6 months it can take 3 months it could take a month it could take 2 weeks you just don't know and so yeah. that can be really difficult but i imagine if we historically looked at pipeline to uh closing we can get some pro- probability rates and know how much
0: pipeline the team needs to have to hit those uh, those goals. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I need to go back through and look at uh, the past. I think we've been using HubSpot for about two years now. So I bet I could go in there and pull data from the last two years to see how many contacts we had to make for every deal that was closed, um, how many deals we had to create for every deal closed. And uh, yeah. I'll report that back next podcast. All right,
1: so we got to look at this a little bit differently. I've, I have set these quarterly rocks, so our, our goal was to hit $10 million, or is to hit $10 million uh, either closed, uh, well, really closed, but um, needs to be in the pipeline, right? So um, where we're kind of at right now is we have about $7.4 million that is either listed, under contract, or has been sold. So uh, things that we have closed on, only 640,000 uh, in January but those other properties are either listed under contract um, and or we are working with a, a buyer uh, finding that, that property. So uh, we've had you know uh, a good first month, I would say. The sec- this, this month is really starting to, to pick back up, uh, but we need to get some more deals in the pipeline uh, because as you know, uh, sitting on at February 14th, if we don't get more deals in the pipeline to close by the end of March, that's gonna be pushing right. to the next quarter. And so we came with a a strong, I think, momentum, but we didn't know what the market was going to do in regards to uh, the listings that we have. Uh, A couple of those listings have gone under contract really quickly, um, and so I'm excited about that, but uh, we're still needing to add about $2.5 million worth of pipeline here uh, to hit our goals. But I am am pleasantly surprised to be at around $7.4 million of deals that we are in control of because i think that's an important perspective Um, in regards to pipeline looking forward things that we're working on uh, similar to your pipeline that you mentioned we have about 23 million dollars of pipeline that we are uh, actively working on from a listing standpoint or working with buyers that we feel like in the next three months so 90 days will transact and or will take the next step to listing it or representing the buyer. So uh, that's a good pipeline. I need that to continue to increase. I need to get that up to 35, $40 million. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is bringing on these additional brokers. And so um, we're sitting at a pretty good spot right now. Uh, we had a bit week last week, two new listings signed last week, one new listing renewal, um, and we got a deal uh, under contract from a new broker. So uh, very excited about all of those things. So um, that's kind of how we look at it. We, we set these quarterly, rocks through the EOS. And then I track this on an Excel sheet. I don't have fancy HubSpot set up (laughs) necessarily yet, but we are trying to uh, work on our forecasting and pipeline abilities here in the near future.
0: I love it, man. This is going to be a fun year of working on this together. I can already tell like this is going to help me out significantly. Um, Hopefully it does the same for you and hopefully it does the same for everybody in the audience. Appreciate you all joining us today um, for our January Brokerage Business Review. If you have any questions or comments on, on items that you would like for us to cover, maybe there's something that we didn't talk about today that you're like, you know what, running a commercial real estate brokerage business, I would really love to know how to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Uh, feel free to drop those in the comments, shoot us a DM, you know, connect with Logan on LinkedIn or me on Instagram, uh, and we can take it from there. We'll see you guys in the next one. This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by CRE Launch Pro. This online commercial real estate program is designed to take you from beginner to pro commercial real estate investor with access to all of my courses, our online community, and monthly group coaching calls. Learn how to confidently buy your first commercial property today at www.crelaunchpro.com.